As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Effing White is at it again. This is the Can't Wait Podcast, the Athletics Jets Podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Dunn. We have a lot to get to on the show. Of course, Mike White's performance on Sunday, uh, what that means for the rest of the season, what it's going to mean for Zach Wilson, and also what was up with the defense in the first half. We'll talk about that a little bit too. But before we get to all of that, there's a much more pressing thing we need to discuss with Marissa, who was in Cleveland in the stands. And you may have seen this a little bit on social media, but what you probably didn't know is that Marissa was right there staring down the skunk face to face in Cleveland and she is with us today Marissa just you know tell us about our skunk experience. correspondent yeah reporting live you know if I was a good producer I probably would have rolled the video but I don't think I could look at it one more time because I already thought I was gonna have nightmares over it oh god I um yeah so I heard some like people stirring and I turned around and looked and literally not even four feet from me was a skunk oh my the god. size of a small dog in a football stadium, I've been very fortunate to go to a lot of football games all across the country, <laughs> all different types of environments, and I can tell you that was quite the first. Um, <laughs> I was probably not a good daughter, and I grabbed my bag and just ditched my mom. I didn't like, come with me, mom, and pull her away. No, I'm out of here. <laughs> I, I took off like I was running the 40, um, ran into this other aisle in another section, basically hopped on some guy's lap. Um, I did not return to my seats because they did not remove the skunk the rest of the game. Um, they kind of like trapped it in this area. And I talked about it on Birds with Friends yesterday. I had to give a shout out to um, a local Cleveland reporter, Hayden Grove. He came down from the press box and was nice. ready to cover skunk gate, you know, or rally <laughs> skunk. So he followed the skunk the rest of the game and and watched oh where God. it was and it broke out of the barrier like when the game was over it broke out of the barrier and he followed it throughout the stadium and it left the stadium like it was a fan you know it, it, <laughs> it chewed on some some uh some peanuts before it left and made its way out of the stadium and he videotaped the whole thing oh my god 
That's a that's a genius idea. Yeah. yeah. So if the um, if the Browns lose the game, it's Skunky. But because they right. won, rally it's the skunk. Rally Skunk. And now you yeah, have they might need to bring him back. back. Yeah. Well, yeah. in fact, I would argue you should replace the elf at midfield with the Skunk. <laughs> with the skunk. Mm. <laughs> By the way, I hate I hate skunks. One skunk. I got my dog got skunked in like January, oh. and that was the most miserable experience. I did, it took me like months to get rid of the smell in my apartment. It would like reactivate on her nose every now and then when it would get wet. Like so, I'm every anytime I see skunks, skunks. There's a lot of them in Jersey City. Yeah, I, I like. I'm like, you better stay the hell away from me. You have to. It's like you a special double. bath you have to do. I think it's dog, like tomato. Right? Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time. And it was the middle. It was like two in the morning. I'd I had like just been out and I walk her and then she gets. I, I was letting her walk off leash stupidly because there was nobody around and she ran after the skunk and Ugh. got to it before I could get to her. And yeah, that was a. I didn't have like any of the material to wash her with that night, so it was a, it was a struggle. Now I have a lot. I, I went and Amazon a bunch of stuff in case it happens again. I'm prepared. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't because, yes. like I said, I... Yeah, would have been better. Yeah, if you had gotten skunked, that would have been a very terrible day for you. <laughs> I, I mean, even just looking at it, like... Yeah, me, oh, like, they're, the they're the worst. Yeah, 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 yeah. My arms, so. <laughs> it was so close and, oh, man, it was, it was quite the scene. But, yeah, I mean, they ended up beating Tom Brady in overtime, so maybe it is a rally skunk. I don't know, but... Yeah, quite quite the game day experience yesterday in Cleveland. But, you know, big ga- game day experience uh, against the Bears, too. So I know we have a lot to get to. Ah, the Is natural transition. transition. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Mike so White was not a skunk on, on Sunday. No, he was not. <laughs> no. Uh, Mike White was Mike effing White again. The chants were, what, second quarter they started? Is that right? Yeah, second, they were doing it in the second quarter, and he did, he did this twice in the second and the fourth. He asked everybody to quiet down because he was trying to snap the ball and he couldn't hear. Yeah, <laughs> and he said it's a I, tricky thing get, because yeah, you want to be noisy when the defense is on the field, but like it doesn't make sense to chant your quarterback's name when the defense is on the field. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's it why up he this said it was, dilemma. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why he said it was like a funny, um, like unique situation because he's telling people to stop chanting his name essentially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I believe that. Like, I, I know yeah. Michael says all the time. Yeah, like, yeah. They're at home. Especially like, as a center, yeah. them cheering. But, like, hey, listen, we, like, like it to be quiet because then we don't have to go on a silent count. We don't want to go on a silent count at home. Hey, so, the, power, the power of Mike White, they listen to him when he, when he would yeah. go, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got them. Yes. He's, he's got the, <laughs> the fan base wrapped around his finger at this point yeah. through four career starts, one this season. So the stat line, 22 of 28. 315 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a 149.3 rating. Um, Let's start at the beginning, and then we'll kind of go through this because I think maybe the most important thing was the beginning. The Jets scored a touchdown on their first drive for the first time this season. Uh, It was a big way to start. On that drive, White 6 of 7, 69 yards, and a touchdown. And even though they did fall behind after that, it really seemed to set the tone, at least for the offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I did I, it like makes sense when the stat came out that they hadn't scored a touchdown yet in the first drive, but like, that's just something like until you hear it, you're like, oh wow, that's really bad. I think they were one of two teams. I'm not sure who the other one was probably the Texans or something like that. I imagine. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that was huge because you've seen a lot The the Jets would come out, they would go three and out at the beginning of games, like pretty frequently and starting off that way. Like, you know, this is a team that wants to be a running team, especially with Zach Wilson uh and it's hard to be that when you fall behind and that they kept falling behind and stuff like that so they were able to establish the passing game which set up the running game which is like the opposite of what's been going on all year but yeah that really just set the tone and you could you could tell right away that things were going to be different because he was quick 
Every single pass he was throwing was, you know, very quick. Uh, lasers, there were slants. It, there was no, like, deep passes. He was just getting the ball out of his hands quickly. It's not like he was getting pressure. The Bears' defense is pretty bad. We'll get into that. Uh, but he still deserves credit because he played the exact way that, you know, Zach Wilson should have been playing this whole time. And, I'm you know, at a certain point, hopefully we, we, we stop comparing everything he does to what Zach Wilson does. But for now, we kind of have to because that's all the reference point we have. He was doing everything that Zach wasn't. And as Robert Sala said after the game, he, he made easy look easy, I think was the quote, or he made the easy throws easy or whatever. I, I, he I made the easy look easy. You're right. And yeah, that was, yeah. that's a telling quote. Cause to me, yes. that's a, I mean, that's a shot at Zach Wilson. Well, yeah, that, I mean, he, cause when they benched Zach, they, one of the reasons he said was that he was, he needed his fundamentals and he needed to get back to like, you know, um, the easy throws were, were the ones he was missing. And, uh, you know, Mike White, He's not going to be like Mike White doesn't have like the arm talent of Zach Wilson. He's, he's not going to be able to, you know, flick of the wrist, throw it all the way down the field. He has to be a little more deliberate uh, with his throws. And, you know, he takes what the defense gives him. And that, that's kind of what they've always wanted Zach to do. And he, he just wasn't doing that. And he was missing those easy throws. I think the one that's going to be etched in everybody's memory is the one he threw over Braxton Berrios' head last week um, and then blamed the wind after the game. <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the easy throws. And, you know, it's not going to be as easy as it was against the Bears, even those easy throws. Uh, you know, the Vikings defense isn't amazing, but it's better than the Bears defense. And then you have the Bills after that. Like, you're going to really see if Mike White, how he does, you know, when he's getting pressured, when there's better defensive backs covering those receivers, things like that. But he did his exact job. And I think that it's a real reason to be optimistic going forward, even beyond the final numbers, just the fact that he was getting the ball out of his hands quickly putting in the right spot. He only had one throw that was like, oh no, why'd you do that? Uh, it was almost picked off, uh, but it wasn't because they dropped it. Um, so very encouraging. But yeah, the, the first drive, you know, I, I talked to Sauce Gardner after the game and I asked him, I'm like, so like, did that, I mean, the defense didn't really start well. So, <laughs> uh, so the question wasn't actually that good, I guess, but I, I asked if it like gave them a, like a boost or, or whatever. And he said it did. And he's like, we're, we were talking on the sideline. And it was like, we haven't had a chance to rest this long on the first drive before. Usually we have to just be ready to get out there. And maybe that's why they struggled in the first drive. They like weren't as loose as they normally are. Um, but yeah, that's uh, from the get-go. You just could you could tell it was going to be a different kind of day. And um, and you knew the fans were going to just, you know, just go wild for this guy. You mentioned the accuracy. That was one thing that stood out to me. The other thing, and maybe this is partially or even mostly more about the Bears defense than than Mike White. But when he was in the pocket and it, there was kind of a feeling that it might be starting to crumble a little bit, yeah. uh, he would step up and make a throw as opposed to looking to escape the pocket. You know what I mean? Like not, he didn't look to scramble, um, but he looked to move around in the pocket and then get rid of it. And as, I mean, with Zach Wilson, he can make amazing plays with his feet, right? Like that can be yeah. another weapon because of his athleticism. But in this offense right now, it felt like White stepping up and making the big throw was a bigger deal. And he did it on the touchdown to Garrett Wilson, I think, where he just kind of moved up a couple yards in the pocket and then yep. fired that ball just over the fingertips of the linebacker, linebacker. to Garrett Wilson. Um, but that was beyond the accuracy, which I think was the first thing that jumped out at you watching this game. The other thing was his ability to hang in the pocket and get rid of it. Now, like I said, the pocket was 
safer against the Bears than it has been against other teams. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that that was the whole thing with Zach, you know, it was both he both saved them in a lot of ways with his mobility and his ability to escape pressure. But I think because of his mobility, that was like his first instinct was to pull away and, and run. Uh, whereas Mike White, I think you saw, I think it was on like a 16 yard pass to Ty Johnson, uh, who had a big game, Marissa, um, fear the turtle. <laughs> he was looking, he, he broke some tackles on a touchdown run where he looked like Derrick Henry. It was wild. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Mike, there was a play where Mike White was the, the, the pass rusher was about to hit him and, and he got it out to Ty Johnson in the flat and Ty Johnson got a first down and that that's kind of plays that, you, I mean, he's, he's been, he hasn't played as many games as Zach, so he's not really a veteran relative to him. He's just been around longer. Um, but that, that was just like a, a heady play, and that's kind of what you want from your quarterback, the ability to not be afraid of the fact that you're about to take a hit and, and deliver a ball to your open receiver, even if it's quick. You know, he was what I think he was the fourth or fifth fastest quarterback uh, in terms of time to throw this week. Uh, I think it was around the same as his average last year, so I don't think that's a fluke either. So, um it's uh, it's very encouraging, and especially if the offensive line, you know, again, the the Bears D line was not good. They don't get have much of a pass rush, but if the O line can give Mike White some times, and then they can start taking more shots down the field too. So I was thinking of of the the Hall of Fame game for Mike White, right? The four hundred yard uh, debut mm-hmm. that got his jersey in the Hall of Fame last year. Um, that was when Zach was injured, and there's just a different feeling here, right? Because Last year, even when when he played great, there was like, oh, maybe there's a quarterback controversy. But then he had a rough game and you knew there wasn't one. This is just completely different right now because if Mike White continues to play good football, I feel like he's going to be the guy, right? Like they, as long as Mike White's playing well, there's no way they bring Zach Wilson back. As opposed to yeah. last year where if Mike White continued to throw for 400 yards – it still probably would have been Zach Wilson's team eventually. Yeah, you know, it's, I'm going to be very curious to see how they handle this because Salah did have that quote where he said, our goal is to get Zach back on the field this year. Um, so I think these next two weeks are going to be very key to figuring out how like long of a leash Mike White has. I, I'm curious, like there's a lot of ways it can go. You can, you can, So if he plays well and they lose one or both games, do you keep him in? Uh, if he plays poorly and they win, do you keep him in? If they if he plays well in one game and they win and he plays terribly in the other game and they lose, do you keep him in? Like it's, I think you do at that point. I think if they're in the playoff hunt, which I, even if they lost both, they technically would be. But you hope they split these games at least. And if they split these games, then I don't think you can go back to Zach. Uh, especially you have two winnable games against the Lions and Jaguars. Although the Lions and Jaguars both uh both have played pretty well recently, so I don't know. It's uh. Very interesting thing they have going here. The the locker room clearly just r- loves Mike White. I think we knew that before, but you really saw that last night, yesterday. Uh, they they really rallied around him. Everybody was really excited about him in the locker room. You saw on the sideline after the game, he was doing his Pam Oliver interview, and like half his offensive teammates just like mobbed him. Like it, it's just like a different energy. It's not that I don't think he, like all of the teammates dislike Zach or anything, but there's just like a different vibe here. It's like the underdog story and the team embraces him too. Like, right. Like lifting Rudy up off of the field. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, So Zach, I think did the smart thing, which was, you know, game ended, got out, got to the locker room, got out of there before the media. It it just, I think the best thing for him was to, to not be around and not have to face the questions 
Um, but eventually, do you think he's going to be available or is he going to basically be, you know, avoiding the locker room for the next whatever month or two just so he's not speaking to anybody like it, it's a tough situation for him i mean they shot him on the sideline and it was almost unfair right because it's yeah. like it's pouring rain it's awful like obviously the guy's gonna look miserable no matter what like even even the starters look miserable in that weather but they they would cut to zach wilson and he just looked so miserable on the sideline um it's gonna be interesting to see what he does going forward. But I, I do think that like getting out of there the way he did yesterday was the right play. Yeah. Um, you, you, I mean, it, so I, I'll like the problem is it's, it's a four court, 60 minutes game, 60 minute game and the cameras might only catch him for like a second. And, you know, even right. when I, I would, I would look over there every now and then. And you know, I saw him talking to his teammates sometimes. Other times I saw, I would see like, I think Mike White threw a touchdown pass, came off the field and the, the quarterbacks, including Chris Traveler, Joe Flacco, uh, quarterbacks coach Rob Calabrese, they were all huddled up, like looking at a, a what you call it, a tablet, and and Zach was kind of off on his own. Like you would see that kind of stuff, but I don't know if that happened the entire game, so it's hard it's hard to like judge completely. But I mean, look, it's I I bet he is annoyed. Like I mean, he lost his starting job, and now everybody in the city loves this other guy, and his teammates are all talking about how much they love him and how much better it is than what it was before, and and all that stuff, and. Um, it's a tough spot for him to be in, but you know we're gonna find out if he's able to handle it. Um, you know he, like I said, he had a good press conference on Wednesday, but the interesting thing is gonna be how he handles it in practice, how he handles it as a teammate, all that stuff. And in terms of when he talks, like he technically is supposed to talk if he's requested. Uh, I don't know like how strict they're gonna be with like those rules or stuff. I think they, like in theory, if we request him and he doesn't talk to us, they can warn him a few times. I, I don't know if they fine or not anymore with that stuff. I, my prediction was after we talked to him on Wednesday, that was probably going to be the last time we talked to him until or unless he plays again, probably, uh, or exit interviews. If if Mike White's a starter the rest of the year, then exit interviews, you would think he would talk, but I don't know. He doesn't seem to like the media very much. So um, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting. And, and I even wonder, so if Mike White is like terrible against the Vikings, like do they go back to Zach or do they go to Joe Flacco? I, I, my, my gut says that, White at least has these next two games to show what he can do. And then that Lions or Jaguars game are, are the ones where you look at as, all right, if we wanted to plug Zach back in here, this is a good spot. Or if we wanted to go to Joe, I guess, uh, this is a good spot for him to get back in the swing of things. Like, It's it's weird to have QB, you know, I don't even know the word for this because I don't know if it's controversy or drama or or competition. Like, I don't really, it's, it's very weird. I wonder if at some point Salah just decides, all right, Mike White's are starter the rest of the year, unless he gets hurt. Uh, maybe at some point, like if they win against the Vikings, I think maybe he has to do that almost just uh, so that's not like hanging over everybody's head. And so he doesn't get asked about that every week. I'm sure somebody's probably going to ask him today. You said it was day to day. So is Mike White still your starter this week? I'm sure he's going to get that every week until he says, look, Mike White's our starter until further notice kind of thing or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a strange thing. And uh, I think we really are going to see, what the real Mike White is. I even if they lost, I, I, I can't imagine it going like terribly. I, I think the Bills game is the one everybody points to last year. Mike was still coming off the injury he suffered the week before. Um that was like a historic Bills defense. Th- this Bills defense is a little more banged up. So I, I don't know. I I just think he's smarter now. Uh I think he knows where to put the ball. He's quick. So I even if he doesn't have like an amazing game like he just did, I 
I don't see him having like a four interception game. And you could, if if I'm wrong, people could circle back to this and and do uh, old takes exposed or whatever. But I I don't see him having a terrible game on 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 the slate. I mean, if they're serious about Mike White and making him the backup, they said they wanted to see what he was. Like you have to give him a fair shot. Like you gave exactly. Zach Wilson twenty games. Mike White has started four games, and one of them he left in, what, the first quarter with the injury? Yeah. So he's really had played three full NFL games. Like, and two you have to yeah. allow the guy to take his lumps. Um, I think I think you're right. I think probably sooner rather than later, they have to say, this is our guy the rest of the season. Um, maybe it depends on the Vikings game. I'm not sure. But, like, you, you just have to. If you're serious about making the playoffs, you're right. You can't have that um, hanging over everybody. All right, we're going to talk about everybody else on the offense and the defense, but first, a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You mentioned how the comments overall in the locker room, obviously positive, super supportive of Mike White. And part of that on the offensive side comes from the fact that a lot of guys who haven't been involved were getting involved because when you complete 22 passes, it means a lot more opportunities than when you complete 11 passes in a game. Um, If you look at the way he spread things out on Sunday, 10 different players making receptions, I think 11 targets because Corey Davis uh, dropped a ball, I remember, Uh, but Garrett Wilson, five for 95, two touchdowns. Elijah, that's right. Elijah Moore, two catches, 64 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Conklin had three catches. Zonovan Knight, who we'll get into more, uh, had three catches. CJ Uzuma, who's really been like, you know, it's all been Conklin and none Uzuma. He had three catches. Ty Johnson, Michael Carter, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios. All of them had at least one catch as he spread the ball around. Um, I'm assuming a guy making his fourth career start, it's it's not something he's necessarily thinking about, like, I need to get the ball to everyone, Zach. But it does probably mean that he's making his way through his progressions. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it means. I, uh, it, You know, Elijah Moore has obviously been, there's a lot been made about him this year. <laughs> he was as happy as could be in the, in the, he had this quote that kind of went viral. Um, you can read it if you want. I think we all... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll read it. Let me pull up the transcript <laughs> one second. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so Elijah, I mean, Elijah Moore, obviously he had a, he scored a touchdown and, and the, he did a lot of the work on the play too. Mike got it to him and yeah. he like ran after the catch. And that's kind of what you, you and I have been talking about uh, all year about how like they, they don't, they haven't been using his, his explosiveness really. But uh, all right, let me see if it's here. I just want to bring up a comment that we had in the chat from Sean. Um, he said like, Mike White did this all in the rain too. 
and right. you can't like you know it wasn't perfect conditions it was it, a wet ball is sometimes really hard so to have that many targets is you know i feel like obviously we know it was the bears but like you have to add that to to the list of you know what was impressive on sunday I have the partial quote here, Zach, from what you tweeted. He said, I was talking to the ball yesterday. I was like, damn, you already know how I feel about you. I was kissing it. It was just being patient. And I I think the actual quote was a little longer than that. Yeah, it was a little. I I tweeted that out like right away. Um, But yeah, basically, he was saying that he talked to the ball the day before and he kissed it and he said, I can't wait to be with you again kind of thing. So he's feeling himself. Um, Yeah, he uh, I mean, he clearly I mean that it's pretty clear to me that his biggest problem was with Zach Wilson and maybe some Michael floor. Um, he just like that. There was a whole thing when he got asked for his first interview, like what's your chemistry like with Zach Wilson? He's like, I wouldn't know I'm not getting the ball. And Mike white got him the ball. And he kind of had a quote like that. And, um, and Garrett Wilson, you know, Garrett, Garrett Wilson last week, obviously uh, said a lot of things, you know, he said about how, like that everything was sorry and that how people in the building need to really like think about how we're going to get better. And like, I don't really know what the offense is doing and they need to get the balls, the receivers and stuff like that. And it sounds like those comments resonated. Like uh Sala, he like spoke to Sala after them. He spoke to LaFleur and they like agreed with him. And, um, and he, and he said, he's happy. He said that he think he said a lot of people in the locker room agreed with him. And, and he said, he thinks it was clearly they listened because they, they changed how they did things this week. And, the biggest thing that changes the quarterback. Like I, I know they changed the way they ran the passing offense, but that's because of who was that quarterback. So whether they meant to or not, like it's hard. It was hard not to read a lot of the quotes as indirect shots at Zach Wilson. And maybe it's not fair for some of those guys who were asked like certain questions and the way the question is phrased is how they responded to it. But it was hard not to take like a lot of what these guys were saying, like the stuff I said about sauce and, and, and the stuff Garrett said and the stuff Elijah said and, and just the way like, you know, I, I I was reading. I didn't. I wasn't there when Conklin said this, but I guess Tyler Conklin's calling Mike White the King of New York right now. Like, <laughs> they, like, like they, these guys weren't giving nicknames to Zach Wilson. Like, I, it it's just it's just one of those. Like again, the new thing, the new shinier object is always gonna like get everybody excited. It could really come back down to earth if he has a terrible game next week. But uh, you you knew that everybody in the locker room liked Mike White before this, just like as a person, um, and I. And everybody's like, well, I wasn't surprised that he played that well. I wasn't surprised that the fans cheered for him, like all this stuff. And, you know, Bam Knight uh, called him like a calming force in the huddle. Like it, He's just being talked about in a way that it's almost it's almost like, why wasn't he playing sooner? The reality was that I don't think he had amazing training camp, honestly. Um, and it's not like he was going to play over Zach Wilson this year. I mean, Joe Flacco was ahead of him until a few weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's this Jet season in a nutshell, man. It's just, it's just wild. It just feels like they traded for somebody and the guy that came in and just like made an impact right away. It's like, they just added a new player who had actually been here the whole time. It's the one thing I do want to bring up though, is Corey Davis is a guy who did have chemistry with Zach Wilson, right? He was clearly like the guy that Zach Wilson went to most of the time. And and part of that is because he's the first option a lot of times, but Davis just, you know, one drop yesterday, no catches coming off the injury uh, I don't know if he spoke after the game, but was there talk about that he was a little rusty because of the injury? Or is this something where suddenly Garrett Wilson's getting five catches, Elijah Moore has two, even Denzel had one, and Corey Davis becomes the forgotten guy in this offense? I, I think it's more a product of, yeah, just the number of guys they have. I, they were rotating them in and out a lot I know, during the game. Like 
I think the first receivers on the field were Corey Davis and Braxton Berrios. And then I think Corey Davis left and then uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore came on. Like they were shuffling these guys constantly and they all have different skill sets. So it's probably the right way to use them as long as they all are okay with their role. And I think Corey Davis is a veteran and he's very important for the running game. Uh, Robert Saul was talking about how he gets everybody lined up in the right spot, which which is like an underrated thing for him. But yeah, you know, I, I think Corey Davis, as he gets back in the groove, and the, he was gone for a while. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll have a role in this offense. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see Garrett Wilson will be the number one receiver every week. I think that's pretty clear. And then, you know, maybe somebody else will be the guy that makes the Elijah Moore plays every week where they are spreading it around. And, you know, we're going to have to get in the running backs because Michael Carter, I don't know how long he's going to be out with that injury. But yeah, I mean, Mike White spread the ball around and he's going to have to do that going forward because teams are going to be scheming to stop Garrett Wilson. The, the Vikings have like the worst pass defense in the league, I guess. I just saw that on Twitter. I guess they're 32nd in passing yards allowed. I don't know if they're as bad as the Bears pass defense. They have like Patrick Peterson, like they have guys. They made Mac so, Jones look really good. On yeah, that, that, that was kind of my, I said that to somebody <laughs> last night. I'm like, all right, they made Mac Jones look good um, and he's not good. So um, I don't know. I, I'm not as scared as the Vikings deep. I mean, on the road, Vikings, 10 days rest. Like there's a lot of we'll get into that in the preview pod later in the week, but I'm not as scared of them as I am of the Bills defense for for Mike White, but it'll be a good test for him for sure. But yeah, uh, the receivers, you know, he connected with Tyler Conklin. CJ Uzama had a good catch and run for a first down on a third down play. He Mike, Mike just like wasn't faced at all, and he like seemed just has a good idea of like where his receivers are going to be, has a good idea of you know how his receivers play, who's good at running after the catch, like where he needs to deliver the ball, like. He's just a smart quarterback, and there, there's something to be said for that where he's not like – he doesn't have the physical talent. Uh, he, he doesn't have the arm talent of Zach Wilson. He doesn't have the size of Joe Flacco. doesn't have the speed of Zach Wilson, but he, he just, like, knows where to deliver the ball, and I think there's something to be said for that. Like, he just knows where he's supposed to go, and if it's not there – you know, he I don't even think he really threw it away very much, if at all, and almost every one of his passes – like, I don't think any of his passes even hit the ground. Like, I, I would have to go back and look, but – like that that's encouraging for sure. Yeah. Uh Zonovan Knight was the other yeah. kind of like Fan breakout favorite. star of this game. 14 carries, 69 yards. You mentioned Michael Carter. Uh we'll get more information on him I guess as the week goes along, but there's a chance that obviously he's unavailable next week. Um so you you, you look at a backfield that Brees Hall and Michael Carter were supposed to be the one-two punch and now suddenly it's Zonovan Knight and Ty Johnson, but Zonovan Knight showed some flashes and yeah. this guy could be another hidden gem, you know, undrafted and they, they found him, they sign him, they bring him in and he looks like he can be a back in this league. Well, the weird thing that happened was out of nowhere, they made James Robinson a healthy scratch yesterday, yeah. which oh, yeah, everybody no, was taken aback by. Yeah. Well, it, it, it feels like so long ago at this point, um, not even hurt. And I know, Everybody always asks, like, is he hurt? Is that why? No, he's a healthy scratch. If he's hurt, you have to go on the injury report. Like, I mean, I'm sure maybe he's sore or something, but um, not hurt. And they just decided that they were, Robert Sala described it as they thought they were leaving a lot of meat on the bone in the running game. And they liked that Zonovan Knight, Bam, they call him Bam. Uh, that's his nickname. Um, he, he, How about having like, the regular name as cool Zonovan. as Zonovan? Yeah. And then also having a nickname. Yeah, like yeah. I think Connor Hughes. Uh, if you guys have ever heard of him, he's big on the all name team. No idea. He, uh, no idea. Yeah, he's this reporter, I guess. But yeah, he I'll uh, look him up on Twitter. He, he was saying, "Why would you? Why would you have a nickname when your name is Zonovan? That's a great name." <laughs> but yeah, he uh, yeah, Robert Sala likes his running style. He, he has some explosiveness to him. He's 
He's uh he doesn't really go down easy, kind of like Michael Carter, but they they've lacked some explosion in the backfield since they lost Brees Hall. Because as, as good as I think Michael Carter is, he just does not like hit the hole as hard as Brees Hall because he's not as athletic as him. It seems like Bam Knight brings that a little bit, and and it's funny because this was his debut. He's just kind of been waiting in the wings, and then he comes out there and he looks the way he did. Again, you have to factor in it's the Bears defense, but he he looked that way. He looked that way in the preseason too. So it's not like a complete flash in the pan. I don't think. But I, I was I was very intrigued by him, and t- if not for Michael Carter's injury, he probably just stole James Robinson's job. Now James Robinson will be active, I would think, next week. But um, it's it's funny because every year there's a few guys that the fan base just latches onto, as you know. I mean, Denzel Mims will always be one of those guys, but Bryce Huff, who we've talked about a lot on here, Chris Bryce Strattler, Huff sack on Sunday. Uh, yeah, another sack. Well on his way to eight and a half that I predicted. <laughs> uh, Bam Knight is a guy that the fan base has just been like obsessed with since the preseason because he had like a long touchdown run in the preseason and I think they decided like all right he's our guy, um, and so every week when something happened with the running back like Bam Knight Bam Knight is he active Bam Knight, um, and then and then as soon as the James people were more excited about the Bam Knight being active news than the than confused by the James Robinson they were like, um, it, it's like they knew he was going to be as good as he was which I mean there's no way of knowing that. <laughs> Um, I think that even Bam Knight was surprised at how much, how many touches he got. He said he, they like hinted that hinted to him that he might play. I think it was, he said like Tuesday or Monday earlier in the week, but it wasn't definite. And then Wednesday they said, prepare as if you're going to play, but we're still not sure. And then he didn't officially find out until the walkthrough on Saturday that he was even going to play on Sunday. And then he winds up being the RB one. He was getting a lot of carries before Michael Carter got hurt. So I don't think that was all of it, but very encouraging. And you know, if, if they can, you know, withstand another injury to a key player like Michael Carter and, and just plug in a guy like Zonovan Knight, then this goes back to somebody who we haven't really talked about as much on the pod because there's been so much else to talk about. But Joe Douglas deserves like a lot of credit and the pro personnel staff, the the draft evaluating staff. Like if, if Zonovan Knight can be a contributing running back, they always say you could you could find running backs off the scrap heap and be fine. And if they did just find one, then, then, then all of a sudden you look at, I mean, not to get too far ahead of myself, but you know, you look at next year when you have Brees Hall, whenever he comes back, you have Michael Carter still under contract, and then you have Bam Knight. You have at least a three-headed monster in a way at running back, um, depending on what Brees is in his first year back. But I don't know. It's uh, it, it it was very encouraging to me. I did not expect Bam to look that good. He he has a little juice to him, and I think they need that in the running game. And I think he's going to have a role going for even when Michael Carter gets back. I I think he deserves to be one of those three running backs. They have Ty Johnson, who you know he he he's a good pass catcher. I know fa- the fans like have been anti-Ty Johnson for a while, but he looked really good yesterday. I think he does his job well, even if he drops the ball maybe a little too much or whatever, but he's going to have a he's gonna have a significant role, especially if Michael Carter. He'd probably be the starting running back, I bet, on Sunday. So, yeah, you have... This is a, a team that wants to be run first, and if Zonovan Knight can be that guy, then that's, that's going to be very, very interesting to see how that plays out. One of the storylines that we've kind of been going over and over the last few weeks is the... The NFL world's thoughts basically on Zach Wilson because yeah. he just kind of became that guy that was a focus of everyone. Dan Orlovsky being critical of him, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick being critical of him, all sorts of different quarterbacks and other people around the league. Um, and, and sure enough, obviously, today it's going the other way for Mike White. Uh, Marissa pointing out this tweet from Lewis Riddick. He said, It's jaw-dropping how much better the Jets' offense looked with Mike White. The tape is ridiculously good. The footwork, timing, decision-making, accuracy, all on point. Can he keep it up? We will see. But there is no way you take him out of the lineup 
no way that was Lewis Reddick. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot more um, from from other pundits about Mike White's performance. But it's just all positive news right now. <laughs> Until the next crazy thing happens, right? Right. Here, I guess. <laughs> um, Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's why this has been the most, you know, Robert Sala says a lot. Um, he's like, it's like it's apocalypse when you lose in the NFL. So especially they won, especially in New York, especially in this market, especially this team. Um, so if they go and they, you know, shit the bed against the Vikings next week, um, the conversation is going to change again. And we're going to be, everybody's going to, not we, every, the fan base is going to be mad about somebody at somebody, you know, it, it is, it does crack me up and I know they're doing it as a joke. Some of them are at least, but I'll be on Twitter. A bad play will happen in the beginning of the game. The Jets will like give up a touchdown or, There'll be like some awful play that happened or an interception and the fans will be like, season's over. We suck. <laughs> like, it's, like immediately, like every every week it's like without fail. It's like, oh, we're, it's because they're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because they're Jets fans. And I know I'm new to this and I was getting to like arguments with some other like Jets writers uh, because I'm like, you know, I think if they win uh, one of these next two games, I think I'm pretty confident they're going to make the playoffs because I think they should beat the Jaguars and Lions. And I'm, I'm like, they're, I think they're a near lock almost. And, and they're like, this is the Jets. They're probably going to lose their next three games in a row. And I'm like, I don't know. Everything you've seen based on the Jets this year, I don't think you should think that. But I, they're like, Zach, you have not been through what we have covering this team <laughs> for all this time. Um, you should. Yeah, I'm like, fair enough. I, I guess I haven't <laughs> been through all, all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just think this team's well coached. They have talent on both sides of the ball. Um I mean, knock on wood, as long as those guys don't get hurt, like, I, I don't see why they should miss the playoffs. I, I don't know. I, I, the AFC isn't easy. They, they have to, they're going to have to beat out the Bengals, who have the tiebreaker on them, the Patriots who have the tiebreaker. Um, they don't play the Chargers. And the Bills, they have the tiebreaker on, and the Dolphins, they have the tiebreaker on as of now. So, I don't know. I, I think they would have to have a pretty bad collapse at the end of the year to not make it, but... Again, I shouldn't say that. I should knock on wood or whatever so Jets fans don't flip out on me. But like, a, crazier things or worse things have happened uh, on this beat on this with this team. So I don't know. I'm, I'm encouraged by this team. I, I think Mike White is good enough to lead them to the playoffs is, is how I feel. I agree. Unfortunately, if they don't make it, I feel like it's going to come down to yeah. a tiebreaker with the Patriots. And that's going to yeah. really sting. If that's what keeps them out, and that won't that be great basically. for the fan, that won't be great for the fans who already are mad at Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I agree with you. I mean, they're they're in such a good spot right now; it feels good. Um, all right. So the one last thing that we haven't talked about yet is the defense early in this game. I mean, it's been all positive, and they finished positive. No points allowed in the second half, and what a field goal in the second quarter, but early on it looked like maybe the coin was influencing the defense. I don't know. Because we, we also should mention that the coin, the Final magic loss. came to an end on Sunday. Uh, it was, the, it was uh, funny the seeing the jets, the jets like acknowledge it. Like the Ashton Davis tweeted about it. I think the jets like posted a bunch of stuff about it. So they like, were obviously well aware of the coin. <laughs> Nooner nation is legend now. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, yeah, the coin went down, but hopefully that doesn't mean the Jets can't make the AFC championship because yeah, that was yeah. the final result of the coin. But let's talk about the defense. Um, you know, they, they flat out looked bad early in this game. They were down 10-7 in the second quarter. Sauce Gardner got burned on a deep ball. I didn't think I'd ever see that. Um, Reed got burned on the touchdown pass. 
it's it's hard to be too critical when they turn things around and looked good late, but and it was the Bears, right? Yeah. But um, but was there any explanation for just a slow start by this defense? It's a it's a good question. I don't. I I was it was alarming. I you know C.J. Mosley got beat really bad on a passing play where he was just really behind him and could not. I forget who the player was. I think it was a receiver. Or I can't remember, but a guy just like badly burned him, and he got a huge gain. And they, they were just like moving up the field with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Trevor Simeon who like hurt his oblique in warmups, and they almost were gonna have to play Nathan Peterman, <laughs> which was just like a wild. That felt like a Jetsian thing to happen, like a guy hurting himself in, in pregame warmups. Um, but yeah, they, you know it was alarming. The tackling is still a problem. I, even Robert Sala admitted that after the game. I, they need to get that fixed. David Montgomery was running pretty well on them. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just overlooked the Bears. I don't know. Like, cause the, the Bears, talent-wise, they had Trevor Simeon at quarterback, like I said, whereas they prepared for Justin Fields all week, is what Sala said, because they figured the only difference is that the other quarterbacks don't run. So that doesn't really change your planning. You just don't have to worry about the guy scrambling anymore. Uh, and it started off slow, but, yeah, like you said, they, they were able to flip it around where I don't know if past Jets teams would be able to do that. You know, even this season, a lot of times – the defense and offense have never been in sync. And in the beginning, it felt kind of like that again. And then they, they figured it out. And I, I'm not, I'm not concerned yet. This, this offense that, so we talked about the Vikings defense, their offense is very explosive, very talented, best receiver in football. One of the best running backs. Same way you have one about Kirk cousins, but he can air it out. So this is going to be like their first real test in a while. I mean, they, they, they did a good job against the bills a few weeks ago, but this is going to be, a uh, very good test to see if this defense is the real deal and if this defense can carry them to the playoffs. But yeah, it was, it was a discouraging start, but I, I think there, there was enough good to come out of that game. You know, the D line started dominating again later in the game. You mentioned the Bryce off sack. JFM looked really good. Quinnen, you didn't notice as much, but he kind of helps everybody else out. Um, Sauce, the Mosley interception was yeah. The Mosley interception. The athleticism was, was kind of yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was impressive. Um, the safeties haven't really made a lot of mistakes as much. I mean, their tackling maybe isn't amazing, but they haven't made as much mistakes as they did early in the year. Sauce, by the way, didn't was thought it was offensive pass interference. He, he thought he like pulled him to the. I don't think Sauce will ever. I like, saw that he was gesturing on the field that he got yeah. pulled. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he said to me, he's like, I, they're, I guess they're not going to call that, so I have to just play better. But I, I, I guess it's basically what he said. <laughs> uh, which is that's kind of it's funny because that goes to what Jeff Olbrick has said about him where. Uh, he's the kind of corner that if somebody beats him or somebody gets a catch on him, he's like, oh, the, the wind was blowing weird in that, in that direction or like, <laughs> something like, or it'll be, it was a little wet or something like, like he's, he's never going to be able to, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, that wasn't my fault kind of thing. Right. And not, not that he won't take responsibility because he absolutely would and does, but he he's just like that competitive. He's not never going to admit that unless it was like a obvious loss. He's not going to, like that's, that, there was a thing a few weeks ago where PFF, uh, dinged him for a touchdown that he allowed, and he like tweeted about it. Got Jets Twitter attacking PFF, and PFF <laughs> changed it. <laughs> but uh, power of Jets Twitter. But yeah, yeah. but I mean they they have Sauce, they have DJ Reed, they have Quinn and Williams. This D line, Bryce Huff, by the way, only played nine snaps. I think he had like two or three pressures and a sack. So his pressure rate is still ridiculous. I'm curious why his playing time's going down. Vinny Curry played more than him. Michael Clemens did. Jermaine Johnson. I guess maybe they just. They just don't trust him in the running game, and the Bears are running it a lot, I guess. I don't know. I would play Bryce off more. He's going to be a free agent. It's going to be an interesting one uh, to talk about later in the year. But, yeah, I, 
I'm still I'm still fine with how the defense played, even if it was discouraging the way they started. All right, a parting shot that I meant to get to a little earlier in the show is is Michael Lafleur vindicated this mm. week after the way this offense performed? Uh, because I, mean, it, I feel like things were very positive for Lafleur. We even talked about the head coaching, yeah, and, you yeah, know, rumor right mill, like worst game, yeah, yeah, and then that one game, and everybody was like, ah, he's he's garbage. Uh, I feel like. The game plan was good. I mean, in the rain, they, you know, this offense did everything it needed to do. I thought the play calling was was good. There was some creativity at times, but against a Bears team, I don't think you need to be super creative. You just want to, you know, let your better talent win, which is a nice place to be in for the Jets because that hasn't always been the case. Well, it's another example of what we've talked about that LaFleur's best, best games have been when Zach Wilson isn't their quarterback. I, I think – they, they were throwing the ball consistently, especially right at the gate. Like Mike White threw five straight completions. I think he was like, I can't remember exactly. I think he was like seven of eight or seven of nine on that first drive. Like they were throwing it a lot. Um, they were, they weren't, they weren't like throwing it downfield a whole lot. Like they did. Mike White had that great throw to Garrett Wilson down the field, the Elijah Moore play. Uh, There's a few plays down the field, but um, I don't know. They, they, the playbook clearly opened up with Mike White at quarterback because they just trust his ability to run the offense and do what he's supposed to do. And that, that reflects positively on Michael floor. And again, it, these next two weeks are going to be a good test for Michael floor. And I should say two things that we didn't like Greg Zerline should get mentioned. We don't talk about it much, but he made a 57 yard field goal in the rain. In he the missed rain. A and it would have been good later, from but 67. Yeah. And he's, he's just been money since week one when he missed an extra point. Uh, and a field goal that week. He's he's been like Greg the leg of old. And also, Braden Man uh, botched yeah. the snap uh, early, yeah. but then yes. nailed the punt later. He kind of made yeah the it. one that down in the five. Yeah, yeah. That was that was I think it because it was wet and slippery uh, is what what happened there. Um, and then another thing that we didn't mention is Max Mitchell. Uh, he wasn't going to start, and then Cedric uh, Ag- Agboy or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to get that name right. Uh, I don't know. know. (laughs) Sorry, Cedric, if you're listening. (laughs) He's a can't-wait listener. Uh, He got hurt early in the game with a groin injury. They weren't planning on playing Max Mitchell outside of, like, special teams. And then he played the rest of the game and, uh, as far as I could tell, didn't really give up anything. So I imagine he'll be their starting right tackle. George Fant's window was activated. So I am curious to see what happens. I imagine they would play Fant, but I don't know. If Mitchell's playing well, I would keep him in personally. So... Those are just a couple things that we didn't mention. But yeah, uh, good win. They beat a bad team. The Jets didn't always do Everybody's try For everybody that's trying to knock the Jets for how Mike White played and all that stuff, the Jets haven't always beaten bad teams. As we talked about, you saw this week, the Jaguars won this week. You know, the the Lions have beat a few teams recently. Like these, the Texans have been competitive in some games, though they're, they're legitimately bad. Um, but yeah, the, the bad teams are beating good teams all the time, and the Jets did not let that happen, so something to be happy about and it wasn't even close it was a dominant win by three touchdowns um it was good to see all right i think that's going to do it for us we'll be back later in the week to preview next week's game i will say that i just checked to make sure it's still active you can join the athletic for one dollar a month for 12 months best deal that we offer all year long go to theathletic.com slash can't wait and do it quickly because I'm not sure when that deal's ending, but it could be any minute. So make your way to the computer, theathletic.com slash can't wait $1 a month 
for 12 months to read all Zach's great writing, all the other great NFL writing, NBA writing, baseball writing, all of it that we have covered at The Athletic. Um, And we will talk to everybody later this week. Enjoy the win. Victory Monday. Bye-bye.